This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, everyone. It is the Red Men Weekly Podcast, where we wrap up some of the amazing stuff that we've been producing across our whole array of content and channels this week. First and foremost, let's start on a, a negative, but one that needs to be discussed. Uh, the lads in the studio on the final word show doing what went wrong with Liverpool Arsenal. It's the first Premier League game, really, that we've lost out. Yeah, Liverpool deserve to lose, really. The, 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 I don't think there's much between the teams anyway, but on the day, <laughs> the team who turned up got ended up with, with all three points. We'll go through the incidents, but... Yeah, Liverpool can't really argue too much about this one. You know, they, they didn't really deserve anything from that game. No, sometimes you get what you deserve, don't you, in football? And I, I think if you look at all of the different parts and scenarios within the game, I think Arsenal are better than us at everything. They don't think we came out on top in any one area. There are certain players within our team that come away with a little bit of credibility, and I'm sure we'll get to that. But I just, I just speaking about it off air, I think the way we play and the way Arsenal play suits them better, certainly at home, because their transition and getting the ball out wide is goes completely against our playing with defensive risk. And and last three games, including yesterday, I think they think they can get the game won early. And that's the feature of the games. They come at us really quick from the word go. We don't react to that particularly well. We haven't in the last two games down there. Okay, we got we got we got out of the FA Cup game with a, with a positive result. But there were times in the first half that didn't look likely, did it? And it was a kind of a repeat. And we didn't learn our lessons. And, and I just thought, it, it looks, it's going to happen throughout the season. You're going to get the odd game when it's off. Just happened to be Arsenal, and what it's now done is is opened up the media with this. Now it's a three horse race, and players taking photographs and all that on the pitch. It's it's a bit mad, but but we got what we deserved yesterday. Absolutely, you can you can lose games to good teams. Um, let's talk about the team news piece if you don't mind, because I feel like this is a major part. This one is that. Do you think there was just one too many where it, it, it isn't the team Jurgen would have wanted? If he went to Arsenal, that's what the team he'd have wanted. So. The, the main one, of course, is no Salah. But then you take Sobosly out late on as well. Nunes probably isn't fit enough to start. You know, God bless him. Connor Bradley's missing as well. After and he might he might well have started that game because it didn't quite look like Alexander Arnold was under plenty. He got taken off after an hour. It does feel like and obviously and those away. It it do you think it just felt like there was one too many? If you said to Jürgen, had one of those lads I mentioned, then he'd have been a lot happier because it just feels like there was, yeah, just it wasn't the team he'd have picked if, if he had that choice. 
Yeah, I think he always says about how you, you need like a full week to prepare, don't you? So I think obviously coming off a Chelsea game, it's already less preparation time. But then as you say, adding on late things like Connor Bradley, where obviously there's no fault of anyone. Nunes, which you know we saw him pictures of him, so we're all hoping, but obviously he wouldn't have said he was in had a problem if he didn't have one. And then Sobber's line must have been late. So I think to have such a short amount of preparation time for the game like Arsenal away, and then add on three late injury or fitness or absentee problems then that obviously doesn't help but as you say I think it's been it's been papered over that we've had so many injury problems because we've been playing so well so obviously as soon as you don't win a game it obviously is easier to say oh you know what we've um, we really could have done with those extra men but I think Sober's life felt like the big miss yeah. not um, against Gravenberch but it just felt like the game where we really needed him and then obviously you know Thiago was not ready maybe Elliot's not physical enough for the game like that and it just felt like we were a bit short there didn't it but I think in terms of what we had left, it wasn't much of a surprise. But yeah, I think obviously Trent wasn't fully fit. Robbo was still not fully there, and it's all it was all a bit mismatched, wasn't it? Absolutely, it's a it's a very technical team, Steve. Um, yeah. If you go, you know, Jones, McAllister, Gravenberch, Diaz, Jota, Gapo, you can include Trent Alexander-Arnold in that as well. There's not really any explosivity, any real pace, any real power. <laughs> And it felt like Arsenal had a little bit more of that than us as well. Like, there's a lot of sameness about that front six in particular. Uh, whereas, like, a Sobis, like, or a Nunes or a Salah will offer you, whether it's pace or power or both in, in, in some cases. See, that plays a part. Well, where Arsenal, for example, Martinelli has, is lightning fast, Saka was fast, Declan Rice offers that that power as well. From a physical point of view, I think Liverpool usually, when you play Arsenal, want to get into that game where you just can knock it around all you want, but we'll. We're a bit more explosive than you, and we've seen that, and we didn't yeah. really have that because of the players that were on the pitch. Totally agree, and I think the position of Havertz was key as well in terms of we had Gakpo and Gravenberch on the right-hand side, and, and I'm not going to sort of judge Gravenberch at this stage because sample size isn't big enough, but I haven't seen enough of him, and we don't have the ball in terms of going backwards and working hard. Both Sobberside is right up there at the top of the stats for interceptions and, and defensive recovery runs, and Salah will work backwards as well as we've seen before. <laughs> Both those two lads are a little bit of a luxury down that side, and if Trent's not at it, not 100% fit, when they go down there and they get Odegaard drifting towards that side because that's where the pockets of space are because Gravenberch isn't working in the right way going backwards, and he's still got to learn. Klopp's sides are hard to play in the midfield in a club side because of what he asks of you. He, he hasn't got it yet. But And then, obviously, the Martinelli threat's always been a threat against them. And then they've got Havertz, who's drifted into that area. I think you're right. I think the physicality was a big thing. And, and they were just at it. They were just they just played totally on the front foot. They, they suffocated everything we tried to do. And when you need lads to stand up, be counted and be physical and do what you've just said, saying, like, we'll just overpower you in the end, that, that, that wasn't there. Uh, and it, and it was right right from the word go. That was a clear. Once we put the team out, once they had an inkling in Arsenal of who we would play, it just set up to play in pretty much entirely down that side. Yeah, absolutely. What's interesting, Pete? Uh, and I, it, it, I don't want to spend too much on it. You can gloss over it. Yeah, you know, Liverpool scored after like thirty seconds. Yeah, like yeah, Jota yeah. genuinely against. He is what. Well, so close to getting that kind of cannons off his knee but like he's the man you'd want there as well it just didn't quite fall for him but like you talk about fast starts and <laughs> after this moment Arsenal kind of got on top but Liverpool went miles away there from really landing a really early blow and it's the man you'd have wanted to fall to as well he just maybe just come a little bit too early in the game because I know it's it's hard lines but like you, you kind of half expect him to do better in that situation as well yeah well I think especially the way it bobbled to him against Chelsea <laughs> just, yeah, if you yeah, could yeah. swap those two instances around obviously easy to say now that's what that's what you do when you but 
one of them I think it comes too early is what they say and, and stuff like that obviously you'd hope they're just ready at any moment but I think I don't really ever like quoting them I think our XG was like 0.04 but you felt like one in ten times maybe less than that he would have killed that ball and then he's pretty much going to score I don't hope but as you say it was just it wasn't really a half chance but if he controls that <clears throat> Jota's form especially and just him in general you'd think he'd score and yeah, that did that did kind of kill us because we obviously we didn't have a shot on target in our first half, and it, that was probably a bigger chance than the one that Gabriel handed to us, literally. So, yeah, yeah, you're yeah. right. And after that moment, <laughs> they did. It, it kind of felt like it felt like Arsenal had a lot of the ball. They went really forcing Alisson into a save. Um, they had the big counter attack uh, with Martinelli when when Saka gets his head wide, um, and then they get the goal um, again. Liverpool's defenders in great for it's good attacking by Arsenal, but yeah, that if you look at Liverpool's issue on that goal it, the, there's no solid defensive line like the, the, there's no offside to have to be played because Kai Havertz running through the middle on his own pretty much unless he gets he, I never once thought he was going to score he just gets a bit of luck obviously it bounces to Saka but it did feel like Liverpool got kind of done with the Havertz thing of do you go with him do you go track the runner and again it isn't the first time this season where there's been a fella just legging straight down the middle of the pitch and Liverpool's defensive line hasn't been right well, it's 13 minutes into the game and it's 13 minutes of, of, of something's building, something's growing in terms of momentum for Arsenal. And it's normally Canate that dives out with the back four and leaves you a little bit exposed. But this time it's Verge and we find there's too much distance between the centre-backs. We, we were speaking about it before we went on air. If you put these two centre-backs where they should be in between the lines of the box and then draw your full-backs in, there's no danger. But I think it's born out of frustration. Something's got to change. We've got to do something to try and stop this from happening. So Virgil goes to try and nick it, and and we do try and nick balls defensively because then we can release it and get on the front foot and go. Um, And our own quick transition, and he dives out, and then uh, you're right, Havertz doesn't look very convincing. It's it's what we've come to expect from Alisson. It's a one-on-one. It's a great save, and it just breaks luckily for for Saka, and Konate's not that far away from getting to it. But 13 minutes into the game, and you've, you've got you've given yourself a hill to climb because you you tried something, you took a risk. I mean, you and I speak about our risk defence quite a lot, don't we? You dive out there, and you dive out there, and you get it wrong. You 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 centre backs are in different postcodes, you're in trouble, aren't you? Yeah, and that's yeah. that's the thing, Peter, isn't it? Is that it's a very other bad game. You missed after after you know he's probably had four all three goals at least two of them. Um, the third one maybe as well because maybe he can commit fit, commit better. But on that one. It does feel like he gets drawn into Havertz. He falls for the trap, really, he, yeah. and it's not there for him. And usually, he's the one who doesn't do that. He's usually the one who... Sometimes he's, he looks too deep because, like Steve said, someone else has ran past him. But again, Arsenal get a little bit of luck from it, don't get me wrong, the way he falls to Saka. But his touch is good, he finishes it. But it, again, looking at it, like Arsenal played well, but if you look at all the goals and we'll talk through them, they didn't have to work that hard for them. Like, they weren't creating loads. You can see why they struggled for goals. You know, The, the, the narrative was... These need a striker because they haven't got one. It wasn't like they were that effective, but they were knocking on the door constantly, they were asking questions, and it just felt in a couple of moments Liverpool just kind of let them let them get away with it a bit. Yeah, yeah, I think when you're a centre back and obviously me playing six aside is a lot different to what Van Dijk and that do. But I think when you're not marking anyone, that can sometimes be harder than having a Darwin Nunes yeah. up against you because you're waiting for something to happen. As you said, it was a move born out of frustration. They weren't sure. <laughs> what they should be doing type thing and obviously they want to make an impact we weren't doing great with their press they were attacking us quite well so it was it was tough for us to try and maybe just try and make an impact on the game that's what they were trying to do and I think that obviously is telling but then maybe you give credit to Arteta because obviously he's played Jorginho and Rice further back and then 
basically have it is operating in like a box midfield with with Odegaard and I think you know, obviously we'll go on to we tried to counteract that a bit but I think that was effective against us because as you say it brought the full backs out wide and the centre backs didn't really know where to go and then as you say also takes his one lapse in concentration which we're not used to seeing from Van Dijk but that's what happened and then I think Sinchenko makes the, the good pass that lets Odegaard put him through but as you say it, it felt very avoidable Absolutely before we talk on the next one I want to ask you a question Steve because why do you think Joe Gomez is playing inverted and not Alexander Arnold in that game because I don't know if it's because Bradley was meant to play and it was a late tactical decision that he thought they can't change but I found it really odd that <clears throat> Liverpool couldn't get on the ball really and the best player who they want on the ball couldn't get on the ball and there seems to be a lot of Joe Gomez in the middle of the pitch that, that is quite curious isn't it you have to give Arteta some credit I spoke a minute ago about where he played Havertz there's no room for Trent to come in and be inverted there. But Gomez was doing it, trying to do it, yeah, wasn't he? Yeah, on the other side because they, yeah. don't, they don't, normally Odegaard that's over that side a bit more, but because they thought they'd get their joy down our down our right-hand side, their left, they sort of set themselves up to be lopsided in that area. And listen, Joe Gomez is quite good on the ball. It was surprisingly so. You know, Who knew he was as good a footballer as he is in terms of uh, playmaking and passing through the lines and giving decent balls to people in right areas to hurt the opposition. But I think I think in terms of the numbers of bodies in that in that area, it was difficult for Trent to get in there. And I take your point before I'm not sure Trent's anything like match fit at the moment. So what you've got is what you want from him, and this is an odd one on the team selection, is to pick up the ball and launch a 60, 70 yard ball into the channel for Nunes to go after. You don't get that from the front three on down that right hand side the way the way we played it. Um, you know, we should maybe have swapped Jota and Gakpo around. I don't know. It's, it's hard to say at this stage, but I think purely because of the tactics Arsenal deployed, there's, there's no room for Trent to go in there. He doesn't become a spare man in there because all he's doing is playing in the area that Havertz is occupying. It's interesting because Liverpool actually got him on the ball because you mentioned about like counteract and stuff. I actually thought Liverpool... They, they, they stemmed the floor they weren't, they weren't attacking well they weren't having a shot but like it, it felt like they were at least getting, out the, getting up the pitch a little bit they were getting out and some of that was from Trent a couple of crosses into the box so it did kind of work but going back to the question I asked earlier about like technical players we didn't see a lot from Liverpool's number 8 either defensively or offensively they couldn't get them the ball the press wasn't really on and it felt like, that, it felt like Arsenal were really dominating in there like Jones, Gravenberg I thought McAllister was alright yeah. but those two like you you it wasn't obvious that they were even on the pitch. You know what I mean? Like again, not, maybe not all their fault, but also like you know, it might be a little bit as well. What did you make of yeah. of the two eights there? Because it, it did feel like they were quite anonymous, both defensively and offensively, really. Yeah, um, I, I thought Curtis Jones played okay. To be fair, I don't, I'm not saying he was like any man of the match either, but I thought you know he was being brave and he was trying to take men on, which obviously is stuff that you need in games like that, don't you? And I think you got it credit him a bit but as you say it was easy to forget they were both on the pitch which isn't really what you want to say about your midfield is it and obviously again it's easy to say to people we were missing and that's kind of what it felt like and I know they said to Klopp after like did it feel like you were missing one too many but that was one of the first times when it really felt like right we can change this at half time but who are you bringing on it's just like we, you Thiago in five weeks to have you'd be you say just get him at half time but you just knew he wouldn't be ready and as you said, I think Klopp said his instruction was for Trent to be wider and wider, and it, it did work towards the towards the um, the end of the second half. And obviously, I know we'll go on to it. And it was Gravenberg who made, although obviously Diaz does most of it, who made that chance for Diaz that led to the goal. So obviously they were involved, but yeah, we just we we definitely lost the midfield battle, and it was it took a while for us to get back in on on top of it. I was surprised there. Maybe I was trying to figure out why this question asked you again is like. 
what Ryan Gravenberch done to be ahead of Harvey Elliott in the pecking order. I, I, I find that curious. <clears throat> my only my only thing I could think of is that he's tall and, and Arsenal are a big team. And maybe yeah. they scored set, they, the good are set plays, they scored a set player on field. But I can't think for any rhyme or reason other than that why Gravenberch would start. And listen, I, I, I'm with you. It's too early to write him off. He's, he's had good games. He's had poor games. You can say the same about Harvey Elliott a little bit as well. And Harvey's been a good sub. I understand it. But if I'm Harvey Elliott, I'm thinking... Okay, no, so I was like, there's a couple, obviously, endos, blah, blah, blah. I probably should be starting that game. If I'm him, I'd be disappointed that the manager has picked Gravenberg because I if you're asking who's, who's had a better season so far, you would probably say it would be Elliot. Is that fair? Yeah, it's fair. And you might, might have something with the height point you make there because both managers would have second guessed what the opposition were going to do. And Gavin Birch is about six one, six two, isn't he? And Harvey's like five foot nine. So, <coughs> from a set piece perspective, you're you're quite right. And I think Arsenal lead the way on set piece goals yeah. this season, don't they? In the Premier League, so I think that they're very much thinking about that. My, my issue with that, and it's a good point you raise, is that Harvey looks after the ball really well, and he's, he's a front foot player. So his first touch is to get the ball out of his feet and look forward. Graven Birch sometimes is, is looking at the ball and not what's going on around him a little bit and, and it's, again it's still growing into the role growing into what we do at Liverpool it, it might be like Fabino struggled for months didn't he before it sort of clicked and that might be the case with Graven Birch but I think we've, we, we speak about or everybody speaks about what Harvey's role is he an impact sub is he, is he unlucky not to start I think he could be a little bit frustrated not starting yesterday you know he comes on and it doesn't get him in the game but the game's a strange one by the time he comes on I think he would have given us maybe a little bit more balance because he understands what's expected of a player in that position because he's been at the club for a while now and, and he's good at it but on the flip side when he has started games I think he struggled to have an impact he's more of a comes off the bench and revitalises that area of the pitch because he does everything that Klopp asks him to do so it's a difficult one I, I don't think if you play it changes much if you play him there to be honest with you so it's an, an interesting team selection point I don't think it makes a difference in terms of how the game panned out yeah. I suppose I'm just thinking Pete because Gravenberch has often played on the left like it's been Sobersly and Elliot and then it's been Gravenberch or Jones or it's been Jones predominantly and rightly so Jones has deserved it but it was interesting that not only like Again, I can only imagine it's the height thing because that's Harvey's position. If Sobersly isn't fit, Harvey is the next right side yeah. date. He, he just is. Yeah. It's not It's not really Ryan Graven, but he's the left side date and he's been playing behind Curtis. Again, I, Steve might be right, it might be nothing, but also you think there's probably a little bit more of a, a an understanding between uh, a Jota and a Trent and an Elliot or, or a Gapo or whatever you do. Because all of a sudden, the pool are playing a, a right-hand side of Graven, Birch, Gapo, Alexander Arnold. I don't know how often that's happened. Probably not. Probably not much. It just felt like, and it kind of felt like that as well. There was no rhythm, or no one really was quite sure what each other was doing. It, it, it's just a, a curious one again. Hindsight's twenty twenty, and, and yeah. if Liverpool win two one, and then you're not really talking about it. But it is. I don't know. I kind of feel for Harvey there because I, I feel like he deserved that place because it's his place. You know, it, it, that's where he plays. <laughs> yeah, but I think I think Klopp said after as well what you're saying. Then like that was a right triangle that never played together before and obviously yeah. you, you know how important that is to pass it but I think the respect he has for Martinelli might have had something to do with because I think his pace is obviously it's unlivable you can't live with it sorry obviously we saw Kanata he was definitely not slow he got absolutely roasted by Martinelli didn't he and I think one thing Harvey Elliott doesn't have is his pace I think he saw that for their third goal he's running against Trossard who I don't think unbelievably quick and like he got outpaced by him so I wonder whether knowing Trent's not fully fit 
you want that more physical person who can then run back and hopefully help. But it didn't seem like Grappenberg did that either, but maybe that was part of the thinking. But yeah, if you're Harvey Elliott, you would be thinking, you know, I don't think he ever goes into any game against Arsenal away thinking I should be starting. But when you look at the people who are missing, then he has case to say I should definitely have been playing ahead of Ryan Grappenberg. But obviously it was a decision that was made. I, I think that's all I can think of. It would be to try and cope with the pace of Martinelli, but obviously... Didn't necessarily work to it. No, absolutely. I think it's fair to say, Steve. Like, I'm not, we're not, I'm not casting judgment on it. Like, I'm not writing the lad off. But Ryan Gavinberg has been a little bit underwhelming at times. Mm-hmm. Like, he arrived because it's worth mentioning on deadline day. Yeah. So he's had no preseason in the pool. He's he hasn't played for a year. You can see there's clearly something about him at times. His close control is fantastic. He's got a bit about him. He actually he gets in the box a lot and he's actually scored a few goals. But. I don't know, that's a, that's a big game to put someone who's in patchy form into, isn't it? You know what I mean? Like, what what have you made of Gravenberch over the last couple of weeks? Because he has, he has, he's been given a lot of opportunities. He's mentioned that, you know, it's the reason he came when he wanted minutes. He has been given them. I think it's fair to say he hasn't exactly lit the place on fire just yet. I'm not, we're not writing him off and saying, like, he's going to be crap or nothing, but he hasn't had, like, the... He hasn't hit, he hasn't had the hit the ground start like a sober slice hard or vice you know Endo maybe had a little bit of this as well it, it kind of feels like of all the summer signings he's been the one who you're still wait just waiting waiting to go waiting to explode yeah I think it's horses for courses with him and, and Arsenal's probably not a course you'd put him over I agree um you, you want sober's would have been ideal there because of, we mentioned before his recovery runs and his physicality brilliant absolutely brilliant in tight spaces with the football but there were no tight spaces to give him the football in yesterday and yeah. I often reference you've got to give good footballers the ball in areas where they can hurt people and we certainly didn't do that so yeah. I, I'm not going to pile in on Graven- I'm not saying you are but I'm not going to pile in on Gravenberch but but over the last few weeks the one question that doesn't go away for me is what do we get from him when we don't have the ball yeah. and that's key for a Liverpool midfield that's why the legs fell off the previous one because we ask so much of them yeah. and sometimes I think ball watching is the wrong phrase because that, that, that's been overcritical. I think the game can pass him by. I think he's more of an offensive player than he is a, a workhorse of defensive player. We've got Burnley coming up at home. That, that might be a great game for him because yeah. he'll get more time on the ball and be able to showcase what he does. I, I think looking back on it and you, you say 2020 hindsight and all that, I think all of us to a man would have said prior to the Arsenal game, is that going to work, having him there? Is there not anybody else who can go into that pocket and sit there? You know, if, if you know, you mentioned Conor Bradley in their situation, you'd have played Trent in there before you played uh, and put Bradley at right back. Yeah. If, if you'd have had those options, you could have played Gomez at right back, but Trent in midfield and played Robertson, but then how close to being match fit is Robertson? It didn't look it when he came on. So I think for Graven Birch, I think the jury's out. What we paid for him is a no-risk fee. So if, if in 18 months' time we decide, look, this isn't working, you get your money back. Somebody goes somewhere and you get your money back. So I hope that isn't the case because technically he's an amazing footballer, but we need to see a little bit more from him. We need to understand his responsibilities and we don't have the ball. He's, this is like Coutinho and everyone's like Coutinho is boss, but but you could run off Coutinho all day long. Couldn't you? you could overload down that side and that's what, what happens with Gravenberch. So a bit of work to do on the training pitch in terms of if, you, if you're not going to track someone, learn to mark space better than he is doing, being in an area where they can't put the ball and he's not doing either particularly well at the moment. 
As always, don't forget you can check these full shows out by going to redmenplus.com and sign up, get them in video and in podcast form. We move on then to the Biased Football Podcast. Always a bit of light-hearted fun looking at the rest of the league. Uh, but this week it focused uh, on Unai Emery and his suitability for the soon-to-be-vacant Liverpool managerial hot seat. The same could be said for Unai Emery. I'm not, as much as I like him, if you're going to ask the question, I don't think that's a fit. Is personally. he on your shortlist? No. What about you, Sting? No. Yeah, absolutely is. Wins in Europe. Good manager. Bit of an underdog guy. But I love the underdog story. Is I, it, I love it. But we're not it. that anymore. I don't care. I want to be he, that. He I did, want he everyone. did okay in Paris as well. He did win in Paris. Yeah, but again, if, ultimately, Basically, no. the arse, nothing tarnished them. He was all right at Arsenal. He got down to a final, by the way. Yeah. He just, he couldn't say V in Good Evening. And that, 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 and then people were racist and xenophobic against him. That's, yeah. that's what he got sacked from there. He doesn't know if he does fuck no, all No, I get that. I, I think, mate, he'd he be good at us. I will hear bad words said about him. I think he's brilliant. I've said it countless times on this podcast. I think he's brilliant. I just don't, doesn't feel like a Liverpool fit. He's, the issue he's, is, he's, sorry, I think sometimes he, he's been pegged as this like defensive manager, but it's not. Villa aren't defensive now. No. They're good at the back. And they work more like, but they attack with verve and, and like he plays a proper striker with two proper wingers and a number ten. They're a very attacking side. John McGinn is invited to get forwards. It's he is not like a park the bus manager who wins like one nil games. Like he's not that. He, he he does go for it. I think he wouldn't be my first choice. But if Liverpool have him on their short of shortlist, then I'd be fine. I'd rather have him than the Zerbi, for example. Yeah. Yes, sorry. I see. I think I kind of know where Dan's going with, with his points, and I agree with you two as well. I'd, I'd definitely have him on there. There's like a, can he do the full possession? We're going to have 70% of the ball and dominate a league campaign. That's the question mark for me. I think he can, yeah. And, and, and I'm not sure he can, because I've not seen him do it. I'm not seen, I didn't see his parasite. Maybe you did, and you know differently to well, me. Do we just the best what I've seen him is very much counter-attacking football until he got yeah. to Villa. And it's not all singing, all dancing, we're going to take the ball off you for 70% of the time. At Villa, it's still quick transitions, and we don't get very many opportunities to do that. <coughs> so I'd have him on my shortlist, definitely. I'd be really interested. And it's whether you believe he can make that step up. You do. Chloe, what do you think? I, I'm just one of them where I want the next manager. I want to be able to buy into everything that he stands. Like, I just want someone who I, I think... I adore you. I think you're boss and the way you play football is class. Um, and I get that with Unai Emery. I think he can do that. I mean, he went up against Manchester City and Arsenal and had three games break and literally took the mick out of Manchester City. So and he probably did have a lot of possession in that game because Manchester City had like one shot. One Villa City, had like, like 19 or something silly. And then they showed the other side of them against Arsenal where they had to go toe-to-toe with them and they bullied them and they showed the tenacity and they showed that I'm bullying you off the ball. I'm better than you. I'm stronger than you. Uh, and you've got to see two different sides of Unai Emery's team. You've also so you've got to see the counter attacking side of it and the, the the quality they use. Liverpool are unbelievable in transition. You know, you think of some of the goals. I mean, Everton springs to mind a lot where they've hit the, the post and all of a sudden in 30 seconds we've got the ball in the back <laughs> of the net. Unai Emery's side do that. Unai, Unai Emery's side are really good in transitions and that's where Liverpool are also really good in transitions as well. Um, and sometimes we've had to do that. So yeah, I think Unai Emery should be on the shortlist. Do I, do I, is, me, is he my number one candidate? No. But if he was named as the next Liverpool manager, I'd be like, yeah, I'd give it a go. It's go interesting. On. It's, 10 for my list, it's interesting because 
Xavi Alonso's on the on most people's shortlist. He's probably top of most people's like wanted list. What's he done that Emery's not done? No, exactly. He hasn't won four Europa Leagues. No. No. Hasn't won a league title. It, uh, hasn't shown that he can manage in the Premier League. Like, I get the Alonso thing, and I think he'd probably still be my choice if I'm giving it, but I, it, I think... Yeah, in, in pure black and white terms. Yeah, like, Emery's a, he's a fantastic manager. He, he did a decent job at Arsenal. It was just a mad time to take over that football team. He got left a bit of a shambles. He still got into the European final um, as well. It was the, the circumstances around that was was all mad why he got sacked. But, mate, I think he's fantastic. I think he's absolutely brilliant. Yeah. I've been saying it for two years now. I think he's, he's brilliant. His teams are so well organised, but they're not... I go back to it. They don't just counter attack. They can play that game again. Watch that game against City. That's a team who can play footy. No, I, I agree with you. I agree with you. But then I, why I am would, also so why wouldn't about... be on the list? I don't. Well, I, 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 I can't say he was on the list. No, I'm just. I'm just. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm hypothesizing to the group. Why wouldn't he? Why wouldn't he be on your list? I don't, has, I don't understand. He, he has no feel to me as a Liverpool manager whatsoever. Honestly, I I can't stress that enough. There's, got, there's, I, think there's got, I think he's dramatically got missing. He's got Benitez qualities though. In that yeah. he's and we got behind Benitez because if you win, but like he's not he's not Jurgen. Yeah, he's, 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 he's not he's not the he's not the no fit, one's gonna be yeah there. he's not the fist bumps crowd pump up. But like he, I still think he he connects with the Villa fans. The Villa fans love him. Yeah, they do. Absolutely. I'm a Liverpool fan and I love that. I, mean, I love Uremi. I love him. Doesn't sound like it, Dan. He's just <laughs> not a Liverpool manager in None thing. of us believe that you love Uremi. Fine. <laughs> everything everything <laughs> you're <laughs> saying over than I love suggest him suggests that, that you don't love him. <laughs> I'll get a tattoo of Uremi. I love my wife. Do, you are, you're, you're banging some baby. I love my wife, honestly. He's out bevying every night, partying with different girls. There's something dramatically missing for me. And maybe it's because I'm so invested in Zabi Alonso. Not necessarily. Why is Abby Londo a better manager than Uri Emery? I mean, I he might I be. Think, I, think, I, think that's, that's, I think he might be. But he might not be. No, but I think, and I'm willing to take that risk on Zabi Londo. Yeah, because I'm, my biggest concern in life right now is that Zabi Londo might be the next big thing yeah. and Liverpool don't get him right yeah. now. I because all of a sudden the Real Madrid hot seat becomes available or the yeah. Bayern Munich one and he goes there and he's absolutely mustard. I agree with that, but I, if, you ask for this, if you ask for a CV for Liverpool manager, can he win trophies? Yeah. Does he go, is he managing the Premier League, which is helpful? Yeah. yeah. Has he won European? Has he had European success? Yeah. No, I get it. And the signing's good? Yeah. I'm he, almost certain. There's, like, there's not many managers apart from Emery that are on that. No. Does no. Play, do he play good footy? Yeah. Like, that, that's a, he ticks loads of boxes. If you're doing like a Venn diagram of all those things, you're like, Emery's right in the middle. Well, there's an intangible <laughs> here. <laughs> yeah, there's an intangible here. And Jürgen Klopp has that intangible in absolute bucket loads. I don't think Gunnar Emery does. See, I don't think... Oh, I don't know, man, because like... I don't think Xavi Londo is going to be the, that either. He's a different... He's a different this different the, this goes back to the point that um, Keogh made last week on the podcast, is that you're not going to get another Shankly. So it doesn't have to be someone like Jürgen Klopp. Paisley, his yeah. point was Paisley wasn't Shankly. Mm-hmm. And that difference can can still achieve success. Okay, so say Xavi Alonso says, don't fancy it. Would you be okay with Emery? Or would it be someone else on that? Because it feels like you're very much invested. And I get the Alonso thing, I get it. But if he says... I'm off, to, I'm off to Real Madrid, lads. So I love Liverpool, yeah. but Real Madrid want me. If he does a Jude Bellingham, then... I'd still have managers ahead of... Who, 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 who? Yeah, I'd like to know who that is. Okay. And if Deserby comes out Ancelotti's on my very short list. Yeah, oh, yeah I just don't think he comes in, does it? No, I, don't. I think he comes just to put a red Christmas too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, he moved out of Liverpool because he always got robbed. I don't, yeah. think, he's, I don't think he's fancy coming back here. No. So he'd love him in charge of us. He'd love to stick it I'd to like Everton it. as well. He would, but also, I think he fucked off the second he could... <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I, I've, I've, and I keep going back to this man, but I've got a Julian Nagelsmann ahead of. Uh, 
I'd rather Honestly. shoot myself in the face. <laughs> I do. He's fucking clever. I think I, you're talking personality that doesn't fit with Liverpool. Nagelsmann's at the top. He is the I perfect think, Chelsea manager. He's you know exactly that. In that's that's why I pigeonholed him with Chelsea <laughs> before. I think we're at a point now whereby we might need something slightly removed because the young club leaving is such a big deal. Of course, we need someone a little bit younger, up and coming, that's going to take this club forward for the next few years. So I think that should be the next one. I think the next fella coming in. Should just win. Yes. Like, every, everything's built for him to just win. Win now. Ancelotti would be fucking perfect. He's not going to happen, but Ancelotti's the perfect. I don't think that exists. Look, here's though. this team I've built. Outside think- of Ancelotti, Guillaume Klopp and Pep Guardiola, that person doesn't exist. It might be Emery. Belletti should be on that list. Potentially, yeah. Well, Mourinho's the other one who's one of them. Yeah, he's still one in there. But I, I don't want to. I'll see you next Tuesday. That's my problem. He's him and Nails, are both one of them. I, I, I've, I've, I've found him out for a while that Emery hasn't been linked more. I mean, I, I find he hasn't that. even been mentioned. This is the first time no. I'm hearing his name mentioned. No, no, no. It's, it's baffling. He's not been mentioned at all. No. It's been Alonso, De Zerbi and Thomas Frank. Ruben Amarine as well. Ruben Amarine is sporting. He's not my... He, uh, Unai Emery's not number one on my list, but out of the play, the, the managers that you've just said, he'd top all of them. Thomas Frank? So, I'd have Alonso. I'd have, I'd have... He's supposed to be highly thought of, isn't he? Highly thought of. Yeah. I don't... I'd put I'd put you know Emery above Thomas Frank. Oh, hundred percent. I don't. I don't. I don't. I might be talking myself. I might be talking myself. I might be talking myself into Emery should be the favourite. Really? I'm getting close to it. Ahead of Zabi Alonso. That's the only difference. If if Zabi Alonso hadn't played for Liverpool, I don't think this is a conversation. But so we will. I've just said a minute ago we want this young up and coming manager. Well, I, I personally, that's a very yeah, much right. I want this. I want this young up and coming manager who could be the next best thing. Yes. to I'd be the that. guy. But... And we've all invested in Zabi Alonso, so therefore we all want that. I'm not. I'm, like, not, I'm not convinced Zabi Alonso's the guy. Really? I, I, just I think, think Zabi Alonso could be too. the guy. Yeah. So let's fast forward to to May June then. Liverpool are about to appoint the next manager. After Jurgen Klopp to success, and Xabi Alonso just won the what's Bundesliga. What's the name? What? No, forget. What's the name that you want to hear? <coughs> Carlo Ancelotti. <laughs> it is. Pep Guardiola available. I don't know. This is tough, man. I think Alonso is going to be a good manager. I know Unai Emery is a good manager, and that's it. Do you it's, rather Unai Emery? No, I'm not saying that because I don't know. I, I mean, head's gone because. <laughs> <laughs> because if Alonso hadn't played for Liverpool, yeah, it would be it would be Unai Emery. I'm terrified of Alonso being boss and not getting him. That, that's well, that's my that's my that's what kind of. What happens if we do get him and he's crap? We he's move not. on. He's not crap. I don't know if he's crap, but also you but move it's on. It's just not Liverpool's level. Okay. Who think you play in a European competition next year? <laughs> Come on. Emery or Alonso. Well, Zabi Alonso's well, doing a very tell, good job in Europe. Let me right. answer at the end of the season because Leverkusen might win a European That's season. true. Yeah. That, is, yeah, that is true. Yeah. They're doing well. I That's hope you do if, if, if I was picking the next Liverpool manager, I'd probably pick Xabi Alonso. But... Unai's very I've been cool. sold on Xabi Alonso for a while but that's, uh, this since is purely, it came out so. purely on emotion and that's the reason I'm not picking Unai Emery no I don't think so. it's, oh, it's no, the opposite I'm picking on emotion I think I'd pick Alonso's the emotion for me yeah uh, yeah I, we're I, picking Alonso on emotion yeah yeah, 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 I'm yeah. not picking Unai Emery on that yeah, yeah, okay. because he doesn't have that okay you know what I mean he doesn't have that he has the CV he has the CV exactly it's tough man it's tough. so on black and white why, is, why do you think he hasn't been mentioned Does the, uh, I don't know to be honest with you but like are we really just like if you could get Ancelotti would you still have Alonso no no no, 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 no. I'd have Ancelotti of course but I don't think <laughs> yeah, he, yeah, there you go, but I don't think he's an option no would you know how long is he going to do it for I don't, I mean, I don't, I don't care, fuck, I will have to win the league like twice and then I'm fine with the, I'm fine with the future the future will take care of itself 
Well, I, I'm not, uh... the, the thing is, I think Liverpool will go for a young manager. Somewhere. I do as well, and that and that rules out a lot of the people that we're speaking about yeah. already. Like, I think Spalletti's a brilliant manager, yeah, but he's in his sixties, so I don't think Liverpool are going anywhere near him mm. because we've just had a lad retire who's in his fifties. Basically, it's too tough for. <laughs> yeah, I, I think you need to be ahead of the curve. Yeah. And everything from the last 10 or 12 years of what Liverpool have done data-wise is being ahead of the curve. Yeah. And, and that's why Alonso yeah. makes sense for what Liverpool are looking agree. for. Agreed. Yeah. They're looking for somebody to go... Exactly like that one. With. Yeah. Like, and based on our transfer policy, yeah. FSG by by a rule don't buy sort of 30 to yeah. Endo and Thiago exceptions. So that's course. Emery, that's Spalletti, exactly. that's... All of them out. Somebody's but it brings in your Nagelsmanns, your Alonzos, your two shorts. It rules out all the good managers. It does. Yeah. yeah. Somebody's about to hit their peak and could burst exactly. at some that's point. That's what Liverpool will be that's looking, what at. looking for. That's what we do with players. That's, yeah. what I, that's where I'm at. But it's not what I would do if it was my money and I was in charge of Liverpool. I'd go and get someone who guarantees me trophies yeah. and that guy is Antwati. Or Pep Guardiola. They're sort of able, are they? That's, exactly. they, they, that's the thing. That's the, pro- that's the problem. Yeah, it's interesting. It's a good conversation. It is a good conversation. But I'm so in on Zabi Alonso, it hurts. I just need to watch more of him and I've got that plan for tonight because we're doing a show on him on Wednesday on the deep dive also, and on his tactics and stuff. Leverkusen Munich on the weekend. Yeah. Five we will be there. It's going to be a bell tap. So the, bias football, that, the bias football podcast there turns a bit biased. Well, it? it's better than talking about Newcastle 4 looting for. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Yep, there you go. And then, of course, Neil Jones was in for Jano Insight, as he often is, uh, lifting the lid on Liverpool's reported move to bring Michael Edwards back to the football club. Michael Edwards reportedly turned down the chance to return to Liverpool. Yeah, this is Chris Bascom's piece in the Telegraph. It's been in lots yeah. of different places. But um, he says, Liverpool's pursuit of a sporting director suffered a blow with their former chief recruiter, Michael Edwards, snubbing the chance to return to Anfield. He left in 2022, was approached about coming back to the club, but Edwards indicated he has no interest in the position. Obviously, Jörg Schmack has now gone. It's effectively a vacant role waiting for somebody. And 
uh, interestingly on this one, we're, we're obviously, we're all speaking about who the next manager is going to be. Yeah. Is it going to be Alonso, to Zerbi, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But like, there's a sporting director to be hired as well, um, which is, I mean, two massive, fo- I mean, probably the two biggest footballing positions in the club are the manager and then the sporting director. Liverpool are looking for both at the same time. Yeah. Was you surprised he went back to Michael Edwards? Um, yeah. Because, I don't know, I... I Obviously, he left. He set up his own company. He, 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 he apparently didn't do well. I know there was rumours linking him with other clubs as well, but it, it looks like it. he went. He went straight back to him after York's decided. Well, it was decided he wasn't staying. Yeah, I'm. I'm not sure. I'm surprised he went back to him because if you're looking at what you need, you know, we need a sporting director who's who's available. Who's you know, we we know. We know the way they work. We we trust their, their judgments or we we, you know, we whatever their references or anything like that. Then Michael Edwards would would obviously pop up in your in your database. Um, I'm I'm surprised he got out a little bit. You know that, that the stories sort of come out because my first sort of instinct was, you know, why would why would Liverpool wait until they've announced Jurgen Klopp? was leaving or look Jürgen's announced that he's leaving and then go to Michael Edwards that weekend when they've known for obviously six six weeks eight weeks whatever it was but then obviously the story comes out so you go well actually that's probably why isn't it because had you done that in November this story might have got out and it would have been by the way Jürgen's you know it, it casts cast doubt over that situation I think it shows how, what Liverpool Liverpool's approach isn't going to change you know I don't, I don't think Jürgen's departure means that they're going to they're going to suddenly right. We're going to go down the sort of the Chelsea Todd Bowley route. And we're going to start. You know, you're going to see us spend. I don't think they're going to recoil and, and go the other way either. I think they're going to carry on trying to do what they've been doing. But I also think it shows the challenges they're going to have doing it because it depends on people who a are very good at their job. Jürgen, Michael Edwards were, were very good at their job, and and b who can work together. And, and and do it. And if you're not, you know, we don't know who the next manager is going to be. I have a I have a sort of a lean in that I think it'll probably be Javi Alonso, but that's that's all it is. And probably an opinion that it, it probably should be, but you know, you don't know how he's going to work with a with a new sporting director. You don't know how the new sporting director is going to going to want to work with a Mike Gordon or or whoever else. So there's a lot of a lot of up in the airs at this moment in time about about. Um, about Liverpool's strategy off the pitch, definitely. But I think what, what this tells you is it won't be too far away from the, the approach that they've had in terms of the type of players they target, the way that they work, the sort of the 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 idea of the way the club structures. I think will be pretty similar. If ideally, it just will be different personalities, and that brings that brings with it its own risks. Absolutely, you mentioned there about like we spoke a few weeks ago, rather than um, about like who what comes first, chicken or the egg, what comes first, mm-hmm. sporting director or the manager. And it was like well. Mike Gordon, FSG are going to pick the manager. Yeah, yeah. I think we'd all be, be yeah, we'd be pretty confident on that one. But it looks like they've gone to the sporting director maybe first because obviously they haven't made it. As far as we know, they haven't really approached any managers yet for to probably doing all yeah. the work behind the scenes. But they did go to Edwards first. I wonder if that's a, an indication. Maybe that is that the role they want to get done first, or is that just because he's, no, a, free, well, he's a free agent and it's easier to do that than yeah. go and get a Deserbi or Alonso? Actually, and, and also you know you you really need to be planning the summer window, don't you? Now, yeah, probably well, already. Yeah, well, yeah, he was saying he was doing it. He was going to be doing it. Yeah, it. yeah. So you know, you yeah. sort of you want to be you know, the managers, the managing. You know, really, you only need the manager in place for the first day of preseason, don't you? You know, in 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 July or whatever. But you want that. You want someone doing the sort of 
the, the, the work, the deals, whatever it is, the, the, the negotiations really ASAP in terms of the, 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 the summer transfer window. So I don't think that has an impact on the managerial appointments. I don't think, you know, it's a case of like, right, Michael, do you fancy the job? By the way, tell us who our next manager should be. I don't think it'll be that. I think Mike Gordon will already be, you know, and, and, and whoever, Will Spearman and the data team will, will already be for fair a fair way down the road in terms of, at the very least, whittling down candidates or, or creating a bit of a short list. Um, but yeah, beyond that, there's a lot of stuff that needs doing, isn't there? There's contracts, there's yeah. there's obviously sales, potentially there's people leaving on, on freeze, there's, there's new tr- signings that are going to be needed um, as every summer. So getting the sporting director in as quickly as possible. You know, I, I'm not sure whether it'll be possible or reasonable to expect that the new manager's sort of known before the end of the season that we, you know, that we know. Okay, Klopp's leaving on on this date, and then X is moving in. <laughs> X actually works, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I meant I meant Mister X, Mister X. Yeah, but. I'm not sure whether that's reasonable to expect because of obviously all the contracts and 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 and. Um, Man United did it though. To be fair, Ten Hag was announced yeah. before the end of the season. Yeah, yeah, they did. They did. So possibly. Yeah, um, but I think it's reasonable to expect that Liverpool will have a new sporting director by the end of the season. Definitely, and if not, then you, you would be a bit worried. Yeah, absolutely. It, do you think it matters? Because like I know FSG kind of they did this with Klopp and Ed was like they were sometimes the. Coming not come as a team, but like you basically you your boss just put you together and like you you're the boss, you're you're that, you're that and you're working together now. Yeah. There's no like synergy of like, would you want him or do you want him or do you like him or not? It, no, no. So yeah. It comes from above like right, you're he's he's that, you're that, get on. Yeah, yeah, thing, yeah. It feels like that's the approach they're gonna go for, which again it seemed it worked last time, don't get me wrong, but also it does run the risk of like personality clashes or uh, well, who gets the final, you know, all that kind of I, stuff. I think, you know I think I mean? a lot comes from that, you know, a lot of the success around Liverpool. I spoke to people who've been, you know, very close to, to that. A lot of the success around Liverpool's recruitment policy and, and strategy came from the, the the personality of those two people. Yeah. Really, and Mike Gordon as as, as the third member, really, of the, the triumvirate, the, you know, they can fall out, they can disagree, but there's no sort of agenda working against each other you know and I don't mean that in a sort of you know as sinister as that sounds but there's no kind of well the manager's mind is on this and, and the, the, the club's mind is on this there was a, a, a fairly um, central point where they, they, they both were, were pretty close to um, so that that is important of course you know you're bringing in two people who, who've never worked together um, I mean Edwards was already at the club when, when Jürgen was appointed yeah. um, you know, all being a different guys if you are bringing in two brand new appointments who don't know the club and obviously there's, there's not just there's not just the manager but there's his staff that he might want he might want different fitness team they might want different medical team he might want a different scouting um, network then obviously that leads to some some change and if you've got people who are abrasive or who, who maybe don't you know don't give ground as easily as as, as maybe Jürgen has done at times or as Michael Edwards has done at times then you could get that that is the risk but I think that's why Liverpool sort of you know are taking the time on these things I think that they'll they'll do all they can to mitigate that sort of risk and, and get the right characters in it look it feels to me like Schmeichel was a decent character in that sense so, you know there was no sort of didn't feel like there was anything rocking the boat when when he was there it didn't you know we, we never heard from him did we we didn't hear I, I wondered whether we might have heard a little bit more because he was a German sporting director whether we might have heard him taking a bit more 
media. He's, he's we, on a lot of media in Germany, didn't he? Yeah, we never we never really heard him sort of saying, "Well, you know, yeah, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you what happened with Caicedo, or you know, Arto, oh, yeah, let me tell you something about you know why the manager didn't let me sign this player or whatever it is. We we never got any of that. I don't expect that to change, but obviously when you're bringing in new new people who's maybe personality you, you haven't seen that close up or you haven't really seen in such a pressurised situation then there is that risk and you know I think it's it's right the Liverpool fans do have some concern that you know two big vacancies need filling I think the manager's one you know I sort of said this on another show yesterday but you can't you can't find the perfect the perfect solution isn't out there for Liverpool no matter what you know yeah. it, there's no sort of there's no silver bullet that you go nailed it everyone anyone they bring in whether they're the most experienced manager in the world or or you know an Alonso you know someone like that there'll be pros and cons to it you've just got to hope that you know you, you back your judgement and that the potential that you see and the vision that you see for the club is, is able to play out I think what you what you would say is the potential of the club in terms of the playing staff and the, and the infrastructure and the, <coughs> the youth set up and all those things that's big so there's plenty for any new manager to get stuck into and, and, and you know, try and um, plenty of tools at their disposal, definitely. Absolutely. Without uh, hypothesising too much, it's kind of half obvious where the story comes from because Billy Hogan did say at his press conference, we'll do everything behind the scenes, we'll tell you when we're ready. Like, yeah. there'll, be no, there'll be no leaks coming from us, so it's obviously coming from the other way. How do you think Liverpool will feel about the fact that the story got out? Because yeah. they don't like things like this being in public knowledge. They're not big fans of it. They try and do everything. As be, the yeah. right way really obviously it's come from the other camp uh, that this story's got out for whatever reason it could be a conversation it could be any you know doesn't do someone's <laughs> business any half any any favour really any harm to have Liverpool link with the names again but I think Liverpool's response will be because now whoever does get hired it's going to be you know, do you, you ask Michael Edwards first yeah. that's always a, you know something that's maybe going to be in the back of minds Possibly, yeah. I mean, I don't think I don't think it'll affect the prestige of the job. No, from a Liverpool perspective, you know, I don't think there'll be people saying, oh, "I'm not answering the phone when they ring." You know, second choice. Yeah, but I think, yeah, I think there would have been a bit of surprise, disappointment, maybe that, that the story got out. I, I, like I say, I was surprised. You know, I was a bit like, "Oh, you know, that was not maybe not what you'd expect." Uh, you know, you think of Michael Edwards as. Um, Private very, yeah, you know, never gave interviews, did he? You know, you never saw him. Sort of, everyone uses the same picture of him, don't they? Really, the, um, that, to to illustrate their articles because there's not so few of them, so few of them knocking around. Um, I don't think Liverpool. I don't think it'd be a big deal for them. There might have been a sort of a couple of raised eyebrows and a tooth or whatever, but you know, I think it'll be a bit more. You know, it 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 shows obviously the importance. And when people ask why is Jürgen made his announcement now, I think that it tells you that, doesn't it? You know, that's what's going to happen. Gets that's out. what's going to happen. Yeah, you know, you, you sort of you, the, the, it's, it's a miracle really that Liverpool were able to keep keep that secret for as long as they did. Um, so it explains a little bit why you know time and why is why why Jürgen um, felt that like he had to had to say it publicly and. We're gonna have we're gonna have to deal with a lot more of these, you know. What are they seeing? Know, stories this week with Ruben Hammer and we see stories about Chelsea wanting Javi Alonso. You know, there's going to be all of these things that we're gonna have to sort of sift through in the next weeks and months. But I think Liverpool will keep pretty quiet about it, and you know, I think you've got to back them. Look, you know, as much as it's nine years ago, virtually eight and a half years ago, the last time you appointed the manager, they got it spot on. Most of the time they've recruited players, they've got it spot on. So I think you've got to trust their track record in this, you know, even if it is 
a little bit unprecedented in terms of the scale of the the job that they've got to do. Yeah, absolutely. Is there any other? Have we heard anything else report? Again, probably not because Liverpool are really good at keeping the secret. But like, there are a couple of names floating about in the sporting director stuff, but there's been not on like official out there. No, like, no. Uh, so it, it, again, everything is going the way Liverpool would like kind of half wanted to go. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think I think a lot of the stuff. I mean, Tim Steiton was one, wasn't he? That was sort was of the guy Bournemouth whose name I. Yeah, Hughes is it? I think I heard. Yeah, Richard, Richard Hughes. Hughes Richard yeah. Hughes. Yeah, um, yeah. There's a few. You know, it's it's really hard to know really what a good sporting director is. Yeah, especially for for a club like Liverpool, I have a specific way because we've seen it. Remember, there was a time when Steve Walsh was the the, the number one sporting director, really. You know, in in the Premier League and. Jamie Vardy, Riyad Mahrez, N'Golo Kante, and you thought, well, what a hit rate. Goes to Everton, and it's a different club, and you've got different demands. There was a time when Newcastle seemed to, you know, they got a lot of publicity for corner in the French market that they were they were getting in players. It was, um, <coughs> Graham Carr, wasn't it? Their, their chief scout was getting all these players. But that, that doesn't last forever. So it's, it's a really difficult one to sort of judge right. He's the, the sort of perfect candidate for, for the sporting director or... That's down to the club to deal with that. We can we can look at it and say, well, his track record is this, and he's been this, and he's worked with these kind of players, and we can you can put ticks in boxes, but really, you know, until Liverpool sort of show their hand, it's just it's just conjecture at this yeah. moment in time, and I don't expect Liverpool to sort of start briefing that. All right, this is our number one sporting director target. We're going to have to Monchi or Richard Hughes or whoever you want to talk about. I think it'll be one of those that it'll emerge when it's when it's pretty much done. Who's the West Ham guy? Tim Tim Steichen. Tim Steichen. Yeah, he was he was at Leverkusen. Well, I was about to say, is there anything? He was linked with Liverpool before Jurgen Schmeichel was appointed. Yeah, is there anything in the fact that he was with Alonso for a bit? In that, if you are looking to fill these two guys and their two massive roles, is there benefit of bringing in two guys who've worked together before? At least do you possibly? Because but I mean, he, I mean, he, he didn't work with him for long. He got off after a bit. But he, yeah. hired, he helped hire him. Yeah, 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 yeah. He didn't work with him for long, and he and he obviously left <laughs> for West Ham. Um, you know. Where, before Alonso had completed a full season. So how close that relationship is, you don't know. I know there's, you know, you speak to people in Germany and they'll tell you good and bad things about about him. You speak to people at West Ham and they'll tell you good and bad things about him. I mean, he's just, he's just signed Calvin Phillips um, on loan. Uh, but he signed Kudus. But he signed Mohamed Kudus. <laughs> and he signed Edson Alvarez and he got good money for Declan Rice. Um, yeah. You know, so there, there, are, there are ticks and, and crosses in a lot of these people's boxes. Like I say, there's not many sort of ways that people like us can, can sort of say well he's the guy that Liverpool need to appoint you know you can look at people with great track records Michael Edwards being one but there's every chance you know Michael Edwards jumped at the first opportunity he got and went to Chelsea and now people are saying oh he wasn't that good was he you know look at this he's got all you know because of the, the nature of the club so a lot depends on the stability of the club the stability of the relationship with the manager the strategy of the owners and, and the, the fact that you know you know the conditions that you're going to be working in and I think Liverpool are in a decent position in that regard because we all sort of know what you're going to be expected to do. You're not going to turn up at Liverpool and they're going to say oh by the way we're going to go look we need, we need big tall six foot four sort of experienced players and we're going to play at the very direct style you know that Liverpool have got a certain way of yeah. you know playing football certain um, demands in terms of the, the communication that you need with, with the fans certain demands in the type of players that you're going to target so I think that makes it a little bit easier for them to you know A, attract the right kind of candidate but also find it 
And in another of his sensational expert insight shows, Dan Club spoke to Peter Bruckner, former sports scientist at Liverpool Football Club, to discuss why Jurgen Klopp might be feeling burned out and why it might be the right time for him to leave Liverpool. Liverpool have got a potential over 28 games to come and we can't be affording to burn out in that time. Jurgen Klopp has got his rest coming up there after he's having a year off, I think he said, um, suffering from a little bit of an overload and burnout himself. But yeah, for Liverpool between now and then, this is the main reason I wanted to talk to you really because mm-hmm. how much will Klopp and indeed the rest of the staff, Peplin, just be leaning on the sports science department and the fitness department, etc., etc., between now and the end of the season? When it comes to who is fit and available and as you mentioned earlier on like will training suddenly take a massive dip because they are playing so much like this could be the season to end all seasons essentially it could be absolutely mm-hmm. phenomenal but how important is it that we get it right from every single possible point of view because the marginal gains between now and the end of the season could be absolutely imperative oh, absolutely it's a huge challenge and and everyone's involved you know it's it's the, it's the coaches the fitness staff the nutrition massage physiotherapy you know it, it's it's all Working together to try and get uh, the best out of these uh, these players for the next uh, the next three months, and um, yeah, I mean, I doubt that there's too many players who are going to be able to play every game. Um, so you know, it's a matter of, uh, of you know adjusting the the squad and, and uh, um, you know determining who's ready to play and and, and who's not. And um, you know, that's where science comes in a bit. I think science can certainly help. I mean, obviously, I'm sure you know Jurgen. Get you know he's got a, and his and his staff will observe and and you know uh, and and talk to players and so on. But you know, players aren't going to tell them that you know oh, I'm not feeling too flash today, you know, <laughs> coach. I mean, you know, I think uh, that's where sports science can really help. Um, and uh, and there's a lot of data there that can show when people are uh, you know. Well, we can tell from you know heart rate data and, and GPS data and so on. You know where where players are are overcooked and so on. So uh, as I said before, I don't think they'll do much training. The players who are playing regularly are not going to do much training. They mm-hmm. don't they won't need to if they're playing twice a week. And then there's travel. You know they're traveling in Europe and and so on and, and uh, so on. So it's uh, hugely uh, challenging. You know one of the really important things that we haven't haven't talked about is sleep. Mm. And uh, and sleep is just a, a absolutely. I think we now realise more than ever how important sleep is, yeah. and uh, and sleep is challenging. You know, I mean, uh, you know, you take last night, you finish the game at you know what ten, you know ten o'clock, you probably get home at you know eleven, eleven thirty. You know, you can't go straight to you know, you're not going to be a, such a. You know, imagine Connor Bradley is a sort of buzzing for about three hours yeah, and so on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so that that's challenging and you know so in the old days you know you would have said oh well they're going to be in at nine o'clock this morning well i'm sure they're not in at nine o'clock this morning you know and so you know things like that is as sleep is is really important and same when you're traveling you know on uh, uh, into europe and so mm-hmm. on you're in strange hotels you're on planes i mean that's a really important uh, aspect so a lot of uh a lot of time is spent on on sort of sleep hygiene sleep education uh, you know working out the best way to get uh adequate uh, adequate sleep mm-hmm. um so that's really uh very important i, I think um and then yeah just recovery in general is from games is going to become so so important yeah. um get the nutrition right get the fluids right get the massage right um so that you know 48 hours after one game you know you're ready to do a bit of quality training you know mm-hmm. it might be a huge amount but just do a little bit of training and then you know the next day you might play a game and so on so um but there will be, you know, there's minor injury, you know, niggles and, and 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 hopefully not too many serious injuries. But there's going to be wear and tear injuries for sure. And, yeah. you know, I 
I don't think any player ever goes onto the pitch absolutely 100%, you know, and feeling there, there's, there's always, you know, a niggle here or some soreness or uh, the aftermath of, of, of the previous game. And mm-hmm. so, uh, you know, that the, the more we can minimise that, um, the better. So there'll be a lot of maintenance work, you know, a lot of maintenance, massage, physiotherapy, um, the, the gym plays an important role, maintaining mm-hmm. maintaining strength mm-hmm. and so on. But they'll be off legs a lot. You know, they'll be in the pool a fair bit, uh, on the bike, you know, just uh, keeping their, their sort of heart rate up and not doing too much uh, work on their on their legs. So it's, a, it's a, you know, as I said, it's an art and a science yeah. and um, and it takes a team approach and uh, the key to it is is all working together. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if, you know, the science people think that they've got all the answers or the football people think they're, you know, it's it's all combining our knowledge and, and our experience and, and they've all had a lot, you know, a lot of experience now and mm. uh, so you take advantage of that and uh, and you just get the best, uh, you know, the best result you can. It, you know, it might be perfect. There'll be injuries, you mm-hmm. know. Um, there'll be people who lose who lose form, but, yes. you know, we've got to do what we can to try and, uh, try and you know, maximise that. Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned earlier, right? like the squad depth now at Liverpool with the quality of players that are coming back as well and mm-hmm. the ones that have made their way back to training or in the squads or whatever it may be. Like That feels, from a footballing point of view, that feels like a huge plus, really, because the the, the squad isn't a skeleton squad anymore. You're not turning to the likes of Thiago in years gone by and asking him to go again and again and again. You can afford to take people out the face. If they are getting near to a red zone in training or whatever it may be, or they are showing signs of fatigue, you can afford to say, do you know what, I don't need to take a risk on you today yeah. and I think the Europa League's been a bit of a blessing in disguise for that as well because mm-hmm. albeit Liverpool got the job done quite comprehensively they didn't need to start their best 11 week in week out to do so I think that's been massive for Liverpool so far this season yeah I think so and, and same with the Carabao Cup and uh, mm. you know they've they played you know, some of their better players off the bench and so on so you just give them a little bit of a bit of a break yeah um, yeah, but but now you know things get serious now. So you know you, you can't uh, yeah, yeah. yeah you can't do too much of that. But they're going to clearly rotate, uh, and you know they're in a good position now because they've you know they've discovered a few uh, a few extra players, haven't yeah. they? And uh, which has been you know terrific. And uh, you know you think when you lost you lost TAA and and, and Robbo, you know I mean uh, a couple of months ago, you know disaster, you mm-hmm. know. And uh, but <laughs> the other Obviously two uh, the two have done well. So yeah. you know it, it's um, it's a credit to the to the club that you know that they were able to. Step up. They're obviously ready, you know, and just sitting on the sidelines waiting, and and that's that's a challenge, you know, when you when players are not playing to have them ready to go, uh, maximum fitness, psychologically right, because it can be pretty pretty depressing if you're not playing, and um, you know, so you've got to get the the head right and and the body right for those uh, those players, and you know, who knows, it might be. You know, someone who doesn't play all year and then you get an injury and you need them for the Europa League final or, you know, the last game of the Premier League or something. And they've got to be spot on, ready to go from a physical and a, and a, a tra- training point of view and mentally as well. So mm. that's a, you know, that's a huge challenge. So it's not just, you know, your, your top 11 or, you know, 13 or 14 players. You've got to have the whole squad you know, uh, attention to the whole squad. And uh, that, that's, you know, it's so important. Well, therein lies the genius of Jurgen Klopp for me because he's brilliant in every single facet of being a football manager. But for me, it's his man management and it's his ability to get everybody pulled in the same direction, whether they be part of the best 11 or otherwise. Because you're right, to call upon the lads that he's done in recent weeks and in years gone by and get them to come in and perform at the level required has just been, it's a, it's a skill, it's an art form essentially in itself. Um, just on that, Jurgen Klopp uh, recently, they've turned back to a brain of neuroscientists, it says here, to help Liverpool's quadruple bid. I mean, this falls right into your wheelhouse, essentially. What do you make of that? What do you make of 
outside sort of influence or help, I guess, in terms of Liverpool. That's just marginal gains again, isn't Liverpool yeah. trying to get an advantage? Yeah, I think so. You know, look, you know, there's there's plenty of expertise out there. You know, I, I think we all call on, you know, as, as a doctor, for instance, I, know I would call on other specialists in particular areas, for instance, you know, so, um, you know, I'm sure that the, the science people do the same. I mean, you know, none of us have all the answers, you know, and, and you know, that's when you get in trouble when you think you have all the answers, you know, and we can all learn from uh, from other people. On the other hand, you know, you don't want too many opinions and, uh, and, and so on. So, you know, I think, uh, you know, you basically get, you know, get important, get opinions from different people, you know, put it all together and then you put your own stamp on that and, uh, and come up with a, with a program. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm a, I'm a great one for, uh, for getting, you know, uh, picking people's brains, basically, you know, because, yeah, I certainly don't profess to have all the answers and, and you know, and no one does. But, um, you know, I know, I mean, we mentioned Darren Burgess before, he was always very good at that, you know. He, he would, you know, pick other people's uh, brains the whole time on, on what they were doing mm-hmm. and, and, you know, most of the time they probably weren't doing as, you know, as much as him. But, you know, every now and then, yeah, yeah you know, they, they're doing this and, you know, we should try this. And, you know, yeah, looked, yeah. he'd look into it then and he'd do all the research and to say, yeah, okay, yeah, we can, you know, adjust this a little bit or try this. So, there's always you can always improve mm-hmm. you know I mean the, the, when you get into trouble the moment, the moment you say yeah you know we're doing a fantastic job here and you know aren't we good then that's when you get into trouble well know? that's where you and Klaus been at pains to say pretty much throughout his Liverpool tenure really how all of the credit shouldn't land on his door he's been stressing the importance of Pep Linders alongside him in the backroom staff generally Michael Edwards when he was there and stuff like that he's always 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 been there like I say absolutely adamant that it isn't all his credit no it's, it's a team effort you know and, and you've all got to be pulling together that, and that's the secret you know you need team players off the field as well as, as on the field and you know I've seen you know teams destroyed by you know, people off the field with egos who, you know, think it's all about them or, you know, playing little games or, you know, I mean, you know, you've all just got to, you know, just swallow your ego a little bit and just say, you know, we're all this together. You know, what can I, you know, the constant question is, you know, what can I be doing? You know, what can I do to make this team better? You know, from a performance point of view, from an injury point of view, you know, that's your constant, you've got to be, every morning you've got to wake up and say, okay, what can we do today, you know, to make this team uh, this team better? And uh, there's always plenty of things you can do, you yeah. know. And uh, whatever they're doing, they're doing it. Yeah. I was going to say, it's, wor- it's <laughs> working. Okay, they? Yeah, it's working at the minute, Lumbay, that you know, continues. The, the intensity, you know, I, 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 you know, I mean, like you, I've, you know, I've watched a lot of football. I, I don't think I've ever seen a, a team play with the intensity that the Liverpool are playing with mm. uh, at the moment. Does that change things from your perspective? I just finally then, because... Obviously, again, you've worked in different teams, different sports, whatever. Is the style of which a team goes about their business does that influence your job? Because oh, if you, if, yeah, if you went absolutely. to a, for Man City to use that obvious example, they yeah. play in a very a passive is harsh, but they get this quite slow to keep the ball, etc. Whereas Liverpool, it's feral, it's intense. Does that change your job? Yeah, of course. You know, they can only do that if they have you know superb fitness levels. You know, you look at some, especially the you know, the forwards. You know, I mean, they they you know they they're constantly sprinting. You know, and and that's you know that's 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 hard work. Yeah. You know? And um. So um, yeah, I mean, I, to to play at that uh, that intensity that Jurgen wants to play with, the fitness levels have to be you know quite 
above you know the the average team certainly and mm -hmm. uh, and I suspect that most of these players have taken their fitness to a completely new level you know that they've never thought they could get to or, or you know thought it was important enough but now it's just so important to play that way you know I mean whether you're not there are obviously different ways to play but that's the way they play and and, and you know, it seems to work <laughs> and um, but to do that, you know, is is enormously demanding. You know, and it's not surprising they get injuries. I mean, mm. you know, the the physical demands are more than any football team has ever done. Really, I think. You know, I, I can't remember a team playing uh, with the intensity that, that Liverpool play with. Now they have for short periods of time, but Liverpool seem to be able to sustain it for ninety minutes. Mm. You know, and obviously they they bring on you know their three or four subs at sixty five minutes or whatever, which which helps maintain the intensity. But it's. It's you know it's full on, and, and so that's a huge challenge for the fitness staff mm. to get them to that uh, to that level, and then maintain that that level uh, without you know overcooking people and getting them injured and so on. So it's got to be a gradual process. You can't do this too quickly. No. You know, as soon as you do it too quickly, that's when you get into trouble. So it takes time, um, uh, and then you don't have a lot of time pre-season. So there's it's a lot of challenges in. Uh, in, uh, in then going about this, but you know, they've obviously uh, they've done a fantastic job. I, I have to you know give credit to uh, to the, the fitness staff. I mm. mean, they're really uh, they deserve a lot of the uh, of the credit because yeah. without that, you know, the Jurgen couldn't play the way that he wants to play. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they deserve loads of applause. I quite agree with you. Um, but yeah, just on Jurgen, then before I let you go, um, I could carry this on forever. By the way, you can probably tell. Um, speaking to a, a former fitness guy on cricket and football, this is literally my heaven. Um, just on Jurgen, then obviously we touched on it earlier on. He has announced he will be leaving. I mean, everything's been said. Superlatives have ran out for Jurgen Klopp essentially now, but it will be a, a sad old day because he's just been a phenomenal football manager, basically. Yeah, yeah, an outstanding person, you know, outstanding people person, manager. But look, I can quite understand why he's burnt out. I mean, uh, you know, I mean, I, I, it's massively demanding. And, and uh, you know, I think, um, I don't think people... Well, maybe as a result of this, they might appreciate the fact that uh, yeah, the demands on on a football team manager in a big club like like Liverpool, but also the way he does it. You know, I mean, he he's involved in everything. He's embracing everything. He's talking to you know sponsors, to fans, to players. I mean, he's constantly. I'm sure the club is constantly saying, "Oh, yeah, can just you know just can you do this? Can you do that?" You know, because he's the face of the club and. Uh, um, so it's so multidimensional. Mm. The uh, you know, if you just sort of. Coaching the football team, you know that. I mean, that's demanding enough. But all the other stuff yeah. that goes on, you know, how many press conferences does he do a week? You know, I mean, uh, too many for his leg, I think. Well, <laughs> I think they all think that. Yeah. But I mean, you know, constantly uh, doing media interviews and and so on. So there's, you know, there there's never a never a break. And um, and you know, as he pointed out, you know, over the summer, you know, you don't really have a you know a break. I mean, they're planning things. They're uh, you mm -hmm. know so. Uh, I'm not surprised at all that he uh, that he wants to uh, wants to take a break, and uh, and I think he's you know <laughs> he's deserved it. And yeah. uh, and for you know the pity is that you know he can't take sort of six months off and then come back. You know I mean, um, but um, you know the the system doesn't sort of allow that really, or you know you can't really sort of have a month off. You know you can say you can have a month off, but you know still he's yeah. you know, so. He does need to have a complete break, but I reckon after three months he'll be bored. He'll want to do something. But um, you can come back if he, he wants. He yeah. needs. Uh, he needs that. But no, outstanding um, manager, outstanding person, um, 
and uh, you know what he's done for this this football club is is quite remarkable. So uh, you know he'll uh, never be forgotten. There you go, a full array of shows. I hope you enjoyed those little clips from all of them. If you want the full shows and of course a whole array of amazing Liverpool content, please do consider going to redmenplus.com and signing up. Or if you just want the podcasts in Spotify, search for Redmen Plus podcasts on there and sign up through there. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms.